Come on, isn't God good? Give him some praise today. Let's go. I tell you what, you know, sometimes God makes it easy to see him. But why don't we? Oftentimes because our hearts aren't open. And if your hearts are open, I, I was telling someone this morning, a lot of times you hear more with your heart than you do your ears. And if your hearts are open, you'll see him. Not your ears, not your eyes. Oftentimes we, and I'm going to talk about this in a little while, but oftentimes we're trying to look for God with our eyes. He doesn't want you to see him with your eyes this morning. He doesn't want you to see him with your ears this morning. He wants you to see him with your heart. And you know, I'm just so thrilled that we're able to have a building that we're able to, just like T just talked about, we're able to see the physical manifestation of God in our lives. Like this building, from a tavern to a church, that displays God's desire for all of us. And I just, I am just absolutely in awe of him today. And today, it's easy to celebrate. It's easy to celebrate today. Because, because, for crying out loud, it's Christmas. I was talking to my friend Alan. Alan pastors a church down in, in Braintree, Mass. And um, Alan said to me, he goes, the timing is just absolutely incredible. He said, it's almost as if there's a God in heaven that orchestrated the entire thing. Yeah, he is. And he's put it all together. And I couldn't have timed it any more beautifully, any more perfectly. And we still have a few things to do, like put down flooring in here. I was in the bank the other day, and I saw someone, and they said, she said to me, she goes, Is the, did you keep the checkered floor? So we decided just to keep it for a little while longer so that she could come in and, and, and see it. But it's going to get covered up just like the other stuff, and it's going to look beautiful. And we're just so amazed at what God is doing. Today's easy to celebrate. Christmas is easy to celebrate. This time of year can be easy to celebrate. I realize that for some people it's hard to celebrate because of whatever, the, whatever your experience in life has brought you through. But for most, it's an easy time to celebrate. So I want to start this morning with a question. I want to ask you, what is it that you enjoy celebrating? What, for a reason, a time of year, it doesn't matter. You get to choose. What is it that you enjoy celebrating? Do me a favor. Would you tell your neighbor something that you enjoy celebrating? Let's get some, let's get some participation, some, some uh, blood flow through talk. Right? Some, tell your neighbor, what's something that you enjoy celebrating. You guys got it? You guys tell them? Tell them it so that they can go and celebrate it too, right? So myself, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an avid sports fan, like, like major sports fan. And if you know me very well, you know that I, I really like to cheer for two teams. Like I like all sports, but really I choose two teams to, to be diehard about. I'm a diehard Chicago Cubs fan, and I'm a diehard mighty Michigan Wolverines fan. And it depends on how Michigan's doing if I call them the mighty Michigan Wolverines. So you know that they're doing really well right now because they're the mighty Michigan Wolverines, right? My little brother's here this morning. He drove up from, from Boston, and 
he knows that our parents, my mom being from Illinois, brainwashed us to be Chicago Cubs fans. 108 years of torture. My dad is from Michigan, so he brainwashed us to be Michigan Wolverines fans. So if you're from Ohio, blame my dad. Um, and if you're a foot, college football fan, you understand that joke. Um, but no one in Maine is college football fans, so <laughs> I'll just proceed. Um, but as I start thinking about the celebration, the things that I like to celebrate, one of the things that I, re- that, that, that I realize is that I really enjoy celebrating when my team wins the championship. And, and I started thinking about, about that and why I enjoy celebrating it so much. And you know what I realized? I realized that the reason I enjoy celebrating my team winning a championship so much is because they don't do it that often. Which is why I became a Patriots fan when I moved to Maine. Right? However, even for the Patriots, the Patriots, and if you're not a sports fan, just bear with me. I'm going to get through this. Or we're going we're gonna to survive. The Patriots won six championships in 20 years. It's really 18, but I rounded up. 20 years, six championships was all. That's, that's not a lot. That's not 50%. It's not a lot. But yet they're a dynasty because they've, they've won six championships in 20 years. And so our sports teams don't win very often, all of us, 100%. They don't win that often in the grand scheme of things. And so... We often like to celebrate when they do. It's not because you worked for it. Why do you celebrate your team winning? It's not because you did the work to win the championship in spite of what you tell your wife. <laughs> you don't have to say we won the championship. You, you didn't do anything. I, listen, I've been there. When, when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, we won the championship, baby. We won the World Series. We broke 108 years. But really, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> So it makes me wonder, what is it that we celebrate? And this is what I came to the conclusion of. We celebrate the fulfillment of anticipation. We anticipate. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait for our team to win. We anticipate our team to win. And when they finally do, our fulfillment has come. And we can celebrate because our waiting is over. Listen, there's some of you in here that are, are winning things that are a lot more serious than a, your team winning a championship. Some of you are waiting some healing in your life. You're waiting for a loved one, uh, someone that, that, a broken relationship to be restored. You're awaiting maybe a, a job or a job interview so you can, might get a job so you can make ends meet. We await things that are so much more serious than sports. And when those things come to life, our anticipation is over. As a church, this morning, our anticipation of having a building is finally over. Therefore, we must celebrate. And it brings me to my final, or my big idea this morning. My big idea is this. The longer the silence, the sweeter the celebration. 
The longer you wait, the sweeter it is when whatever it is that you're waiting for comes to life. The longer the silence, the sweeter the celebration. We celebrate the fulfillment of our anticipation. In the Christian world, we use the word rejoice. In fact, the Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. In a, in, uh, and again, I say rejoice. To rejoice. A few weeks ago, in one of my messages, I uh, quoted a woman by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary to Ecuador. Her and her husband, Jim, uh, served the Hawaiian people. And as he was, as Jim was serving them, and as he was, he went on a mission, a rescue mission, to tell these people about Jesus. And Jim, along with four other missionaries, were murdered by the Hawaiian people when they went to tell them about Jesus. Elizabeth was devastated. If anyone knew what suffering was like, it was Elizabeth Elliot. She never got remarried. Elizabeth Elliot defines suffering in twofold. She says, number one, suffering is waiting for something that you don't have or wanting something you don't have, wanting something you don't have. And two, it's having something you don't want. So in our suffering, we are either wanting something that we don't have. You're wanting more money. You're wanting another job. You're wanting a, a, a spouse. You're wanting something. Or maybe it's because you have something you don't want, like cancer, like a pandemic. You, want, you have something you don't want. The fact of the matter is, is celebrating means that our suffering is no more. You don't have celebration without suffering. You don't have celebration without silence. And the same is true with the Christmas story. Galatians chapter 4, verse five, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, so once, once the world was ready, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were also under the law, so that we might receive adoption as God's Sons. Jesus was born to purchase your adoption. And he purchased it with his blood on a cross. Not in a manger. He didn't purchase it in a manger. He purchased it on a cross for our sins. For the Bible says in the Old Testament that there is no, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Someone had to die. Jesus died in our place so that if we receive him and his sacrifice for us, we can become sons and daughters of God. Is that good news this morning? Am I preaching to an empty room? Because I can't really see you with these lights. And so our Christmas theme for the year is from a, a Christmas carol that many of you may know. It's called O Holy Night. O Holy Night, I believe, is probably one of the most powerful Christmas songs, if not one of the most powerful songs ever written. O Holy Night actually has a really interesting history. 
If you dig into it, you'll dis- discover that the original author of, of the poem was French, and he was actually an, an atheist. It's, it's a really amazing story, which I spoke about last year, so I'm not going to get into the history. But on our website, you can go and dig out some, some messages, our mes- old messages, and just look up Oh Holy Night, and it'll come up there, and you can hear about the history of that. There are three lines in Oh Holy Night that I believe are the most powerful lyrics probably ever written in a song. The lyrics go, long lay the world in sin and error pining. You know what pining means? Pining just means waiting, long-suffering, longing for, and sin and error pining. And he appears, and the soul felt its worth. On Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about the appearance of Jesus and the, the worth of our soul. Listen, I want you to know this morning, I'm not going to preach it because I'm going to preach it on Christmas Eve, but you, your soul has worth. I don't, I didn't, listen, I'm a firm believer in being led by the Holy Spirit. And I didn't say this in the first service. And you know what that tells me? That someone in this service needs to hear this. Your soul has worth. You are worthy because Jesus has bought you with the price of his blood. You are loved. You are valuable. You have meaning because of him, not because of you. But it's because he brings us worth. I don't know where that came from. Well, I do know where it came from. The final line that I want to read to you is a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. Now, for the first time in my life, the first time in my 41 years, I believe if I were to take a poll, 100% of the poll would agree with me that the world is a pretty weary place right now. We're weary. We're tired. If it's because of a COVID-19 pandemic that's never going to go away. If it's because of a labor shortage. If it's because of a, a supply chain issue or, a, or, or gas prices. And you can't afford to put gas in your car to get to work so you don't go to work. Which creates more stress for everyone you work with because you can't show up. The inflation Our world, especially in America, is pretty weary right now. But if you ask me, it has nothing on the 400 years of silence that took place. 400 years. Do you know how many generations that is? 400 years where God did not speak to his people. Like, what just took place a minute ago where I told you you are worthy and you are worth, that didn't even take place for 400 years. The 400 years of silence was between Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And do you know who, Jesus, or who God spoke to when he ended the silence? It wasn't Mary. It was a man by the name of Zechariah. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 8 through 16. 
It says, now while he was serving as a priest before God and when, he was, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and, and burn incense. So, so this is what, this is, I'm going to explain this for you. So Zechariah was a priest that was on call this night. He was on call because it was his turn to go into the temple and to burn the incense for the people. If you've ever been on call, for maybe you're a doctor or a nurse or whatever, if you've ever been on call, Zechariah is with you, okay? So verse 10, and the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the, altar of in, at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing right, right side of the altar, of incense, and Zechariah was troubled. So time out, real quick. Let me explain it all to you. So Zechariah's in the temple. He's in the Holy of Holies. He's in, the, in at the altar of incense, and the people are outside the altar because what happened was people believed in the, in the Old Testament that the, that the Holy of Holies was the only place that was only for the priest. The people, the people couldn't even go inside the temple. So they're outside the temple. They're praying during the hour of, the, of, of, of incense, while, while the priest is burning these, these incense before God. And the angel appeared. I love how detailed the Bible gets because it says on the right side of the altar. The angel appeared to him. And how did Zechariah feel about that angel? <laughs> he was troubled. Sometimes we can wait for so long that when something comes to us, that we're waiting for slaps us upside the head and we are troubled by it no matter how long we've been waiting for it. Zechariah was troubled. Continue reading with me in verse 12. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. At the moment of conception, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could have the mission of preparing the way for the Lord. Verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, the disobedient to the, of the, to the wisdom of the just and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. 400 years of silence is so intense that the breaking of it, people must be prepared for. Silence was broken by a prophet by the name of John the Baptist who prepared the way of the Lord. Which brings me to the first point for today's message. Number one, silence prepares you for celebration. Silence prepares you for celebration. 
The years and years of setting up and tearing down and setting up and tearing down. 247, I don't know where you came up with that number. But that's a lot. And you know what it was doing? It was preparing us for this moment. This moment of celebration. We have to celebrate this day because our silence is over. It's the awaiting of the anticipation, the fulfillment of the anticipation is why we celebrate. But watch what happened. <laughs> Luke 1, 18 through 23, then Z- and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How will I know it? Some of you in this room today have been asking God, how, do, how am I supposed to know that you're there? How am I supposed to know that you exist? Show me a sign. Show me a sign you're there. How do I know? For I am an old man and, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him. And Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and, a, and unable to speak until the day of these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So this is what happened. Zechariah's question of how will I know showed the angel his heart. And he doubted that it was even possible that his wife could become pregnant because she had been barren. And because he doubted, the angel said, you won't even be able to tell anyone that your wife is pregnant. And he made him mute. He couldn't speak. Verse 20, and behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Verse 21. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. So people are outside praying, and they're like, he's offering incense. What is taking so long? (laughs) If they only knew. (laughs) What is taking so long? After 400 years, you're asking what's taking so long? Verse 22, and uh, I'm sorry, verse 23, and when this time of service had ended. I'm sorry, verse 22. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. So he's trying to speak, but he can't. He's making signs to them. And when his time of service was ended, he went home, (laughs) unable to speak. He'd just seen an angel. 400 years of silence, broken, and he goes home. And it brings me to number two. When you fail to celebrate silence being over, your silence continues. When you fail to celebrate your silence being over, you will remain silent. Sometimes all it takes is an open heart to see God. And the reason the reason your silence, the reason your longing, the reason your, your, your search has continued is because you failed to open your heart in celebration of what God has done. That's good news. 
because all that means is that all you have to do is open your heart. All you have to do is open your heart. Zechariah didn't believe the angel. He couldn't celebrate the message. Can you imagine the torture? <laughs> some of your some of you your your wives be like, I wish an angel would visit my husband. <laughs> that was a joke. Okay, you're still there. I was wondering. But watch what happens. Luke chapter one, verse twenty six through thirty eight. And then in the sixth month. So what's the, what's, what's the sixth month? The sixth month is, is the, the sixth month of the pregnancy. Elizabeth was in her, in her sixth month of being pregnant. I don't know which trimester that is. Some woman will tell you what it was. In the sixth month of the angel, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a, a virgin betrothed to be, or sorry, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And she came, and, and he came to her, and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And how did, how did Mary respond? She was troubled. It was the same exact thing that Zechariah went through. She was troubled too. And you know what that shows me? That shows me that oftentimes when our silence is broken, we're often troubled at the miracle that we experience. But don't be so troubled that your heart rejects what has taken place. But she was greatly troubled in saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you, for, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and he shall be called Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end, verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Listen to me this morning. How will this be is a lot different than how will I know. How will this be? Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who is who is called barren. And nothing will be impossible with God. Whatever it is you came in here carrying this morning, whatever burden it was carrying with you this morning, I want you to hear the verse that says, and nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now look at the two questions that are asked. The first question from Zechariah, who was troubled at the end of his silence. He said, how will I know? 
I can't help but to think that many of you in this room at some point in your life has asked God to show you a sign. Why do you want to see a sign? Because you want to know. How will I know that you're there? How will I know that you can save me? Do you know what I've done? I have been wicked. I have done terrible things. God could never save me. How will I know? But what did Mary say? What was Mary's question? And if you ask me, the virgin birth is way more miraculous than the barren birth. And Mary's question was, how will this be? And this morning, instead of you sitting there asking God, how will I know that you can save me? Ask him, I don't understand it, but I, I want it, and I don't know how it's going to take place, but I receive it because I need to know that it will be. And Mary's response to the angel was, may it be so. For I am the Lord's servant. I'll do whatever he asks. Which brings me to number three. The question in your silence reveal our hearts. The questions we ask in our silence reveal our hearts. For God will not end the silence of someone that's not receptive to him. Why will he? Why would he? But he would want to use the silence to get your attention. Not to say to you, this is a sign, but to say to you, I can make it, I can do the impossible. I can do the impossible. And some of you think you're so far gone, you're so wicked, you're so, for whatever it is, you think you're an outcast. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much that he willingly, he willingly laid down his life so that you could find worth, so that you can find hope, so that you can find peace. The question for you is, will you open your heart enough to receive it this morning? Do me a favor, stand to your feet. I can't see if you are or not, so... If you, want to, if you want to stay seated, you can, you can. I don't care. Will your heart be open to him today? Pastor Adam, I don't know. If, I, don't, I, I just don't know how to do that. That's all right. That's why we're here. To help you open your heart. But we can't do it for you. We can't. You're the only person that can open your heart. I, I spent some time with an old friend this, this last week. And uh, he went through a divorce recently. And he, just, and he kept telling me, Adam, I just, I just want her to come back to me. And he's like, I just, but I just can't, I can't make her love me. And, and, I, and we had this conversation it's interesting that God is all-powerful, but God is never forceful. 
He doesn't force himself on anyone. But he stands there with open arms and says, come home. He doesn't force home on you. He just opens his arms. This morning we stand with open arms. And we want to help you receive him today. He's made it very simple. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you will be saved. So do you believe in your heart that God loves you? That he bought you with a price that was the shedding of his blood on a cross for your sins? Because there are things that we do that separate us from God. That's why he had to die. And when we confess those things to him, he says, I'm going to wipe them away and welcome you home. Do you want to receive that this morning? I'm going to ask, even though I can't see you, if you want to receive that gift, God can see you. I just want you to just just show him by raising your hand. Just put it up, put it back down. I don't care how long it's up there. Just show him. Say, God, I am yours. I want to give you my heart today. And if that's you this morning, I want to lead you in a prayer. And at the end of my prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And my friend Dave is on your right. My friend Brooke is on your left. They are amazing people. They love you. They care about you. Every single person that's in this room has been prayed for this morning. And they're a part of the team, our prayer team, that prays for people. They've already prayed for you. They would love to pray with you. If you want to receive that gift this morning, just say, God... I know I've done wrong. And I know I need you in my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins by the blood of Jesus. Come into my life and save me. I believe your son Jesus died for me so that I can live for him. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is God good this morning? Come on, give him some praise. Give him some praise. We're going to sing another song and then we'll be dismissed.